So, um, let's start with some audience participation. Now, if you're new to Polaris, um, I know that, that Polaris often represents people who are uh, maybe first Sunday and, and maybe audience participation seems a little bit weird. So this isn't something we do often and this isn't what I'm about to do now even all that weird. I want to talk about uh, like happy places. And I'm wondering where your happy place is. I'll start with mine. Mine is uh, in my, my family, I, I, um, Hilton Head Island. Like we cross that bridge and it's just like, I just feel the, the flood of just, and you know, we cr cross the bridge into paradise and I cause near fatalities while I'm looking at you know, both sides in, 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 in traffic. And um, I, I just love everything about the island. It's good for my soul. Uh, very close second is a restaurant called Papado. Um, there's one in um, Cincinnati, one in Phoenix, one in San Antonio, one in Chicago. There's actually a handful in Texas, but it's just like, it's Cajun seafood. And um, like the Laffins are here today. I am longtime Polaris people back visiting from Covington, Kentucky or somewhere around there. But they're like 15 minutes from Papado. And I'm just so jealous of, of where you guys live. Um, anyway, like that's my, any of you, like uh, here's my happy place. Fishing boat of any kind, I, I agree. Um, I used to do that before I had kids and got into summer travel baseball. Any others? Just like the place that just take... Disney, how many Disney? I love Disney. How many hate going to Disney? Because it's, yeah, this, Disney is polarizing. <laughs> I'm a Disney fan. Jessica, what are you going to say? Yeah, just like hang out and like you got like a fire pit and thing like that. Yeah, yeah. The pool. Yeah, there's just, so just kind of picture that as, as we launch into today's topic because just that place where, where, the just, where you just feel good. So we're continuing this uh, series that's called Power to Change, and I'll review a little bit. Um, I, uh, I highly recommend listening to last Sunday's sermon. I don't normally try to peddle my own stuff up here, but just to get into kind of a flow of the basics of, of this series, uh, if you go to the app and go to sermons and touch August 27th, it'll bring up uh, my talk from last week and, and just kind of introduced um, the series, but I'll, I'll review a little bit for you. Um, I'm, I'm titling today's sermon, um, Finding Game 7 Joy in the Rebuilding Years. Because if I talk about a happy place, I got to talk about uh, 2016 in June when the Cavs won what's considered to be one of the most exciting series of all time, one of the most exciting Game 7s of all time. And I remember when, uh, when the Cavs won the first championship of any of the major sports in my lifetime here in Cleveland. I remember just sitting uh, on, my, on my porch, on my deck, deep into the morning, just enjoying that feeling of joy. And, and see, here's because here's the thing. Um, we've been rebuilding really ever since, and we're rebuilding with the Guardians, and we're rebuilding with the Browns um, perennially. Um, and, and that's the way life works, and it's nice every now and then to just kind of tap in to that joy of the good times, even when you're going through the bad times. And uh, what we'll see today is that that kind of availability for joy 
is something that God wants for us. So I'm going to do a couple quick verses to kind of catch things up, review from last week, and then we'll go from there. Last week, we talked about the reality that we can get stuck in life, and I'm particularly frustrated when I get stuck in life spiritually. But the Bible is emphatic that we do, in fact, have the power to change. And um, if we are living in a growing friendship with Jesus, we should expect change. So this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being, say it with me, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There are two very important words in that. Transformed, which kind of means not being the same, right? And ever-increasing, which also means not being the same. And so the best way that I can say it is, you might get stuck in a friendship with Jesus, but you shouldn't be stuck for long, spiritually, because there is this power at work within you that's pushing you toward ever-increasing glory, which means you're looking more and more like God, and you are being transformed, which means that, that there's, a, there's a force at work pushing you forward. Now, in another letter to the Galatians, Paul gives us some qualities to look for as God does this transformational work. This is in Galatians 5. I errantly said it was in Galatians 3 last week. Apologize for that. Galatians 5. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, which means the things the Spirit produces in us, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Last week we talked about love and what that might look like. This week we're going to talk about joy and how we can allow God's Spirit to produce joy in our lives. I realize as I prepare for this, and even more you know, this morning as I'm kind of working through the material in the morning, this is kind of a dangerous sermon to do solo. I probably should have done like a four-week series on joy because it's just tough to take a snapshot. Like, don't see today's talk as exhaustive. Um, and I'm going to talk about some of the different, you know, little little disclaimers and things like that. It, it, this is just a, a small sliver of, of the joy portion of the equation of our, of our growth. So let me just say that. Um, here's a few quick points, three quick points when it comes to the word joy and this idea of God producing joy in our life. First of all, um, the Greek word for joy is kara. That the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. That means street or common Greek. And I love that. Out of all the languages in all the world history, God chose something that's called common or street, street Greek. Um, it was a lot of slang and, and um, 
Anyway, the word is kara, and I have a, I have a minor, um, so my, my Bachelor of Arts came from um, um, Koine Greek. I don't remember a lot of the classes, but I do know enough to use a lexicon. And uh, I can tell you that after doing a lot of study of the word courage, you know what that word actually means? Joy. It means the feeling you get when something good happens. So quite simply, there is this force at work from God's spirit to develop in us the feeling we get when something good happens. And it makes sense, right? You're a part of this eternal thing God is doing. There should be good feelings with that. So joy is the good feeling, the kind that you get when something good happens. Secondly, <clears throat> remember that the idea is transformational and ever-increasing. God's Spirit is doing transformational things in us that are increasing. And so, in theory, our joy should be increasing as we move forward in a growing friendship with Jesus. The good feelings associated with good things should be increasing in us as we move forward in our friendship with Jesus. Fact number three, like we talked about last week, ancient lists are almost always prioritized. So what you can almost always say is, is um, in order of magnitude, like you can almost always insert that in an ancient list, whether it be names or characteristics, um, in order of importance or magnitude. So... The first one we said is love, and that fits that this was meant to be seen like that because Jesus and Paul both say love is the most important of anything. So the fact that this list starts with love means that it's probably a ranked list. And number two on that list is joy. Love, joy. I think that's interesting. And, uh, you know, maybe... Based on your personality, you might be saying, what? How can joy be number two? Above things like goodness, above things like faithfulness. But I think that there's good reason to believe that this is a very intentional list because that's what they did. And so there is a good probability that God looks at your life and says, the number two thing I want to see in your life just below love is joy. But I'll concede if you're, you know, if you think that's a bit of a stretch, joy still made the list. Joy is still something that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life if you submit to what God is doing in your life. And a lot of times we don't see joy as a pious characteristic. And I think it's safe to say joy is not always synonymous with like the life of longtime churchgoers. But maybe it's because something is wrong because when I look at this, joy is definitely on the list and it's probably the second most important quality to be seen in the life of someone in a friendship with Jesus. So, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you look at your life and you don't see a kind of, I, I've heard it called like the bass note before, like the that like plays underneath everything that you can feel. 
and you're not seeing a lot of love in your life, you're feeling love radiating and joy radiating, you might, you might be missing something. Okay. Now, I'm going to take some time to offend most of my audience. I'm going to try to offend my left-leaning Christian friends and my right-leaning Christian friends and my senior citizen friends. Um, but then we'll release you and you can go to Taco Loco and find answers in the bottom of the salsa container. Right? Do you know... At Taco Loco, you can ask them uh, for the little tray of three hot salsas, and for free, they'll bring you this tray of three hot. There's an orange, a green, and a red. The orange one's the best. That's the habanero. Um, but they'll just bring that out for free to supplement your, your regular salsa. So now you know. And that'll be, sadly, that'll be the takeaway for many of you. I don't know what he talked about, but we're going to Taco Loco because <coughs> they do... You don't get that kind of life application at Hope Church. <laughs> like, they may teach biblical principles and sound doctrine, but you're not getting Mexican upgrades. And you can tell Pastor Sean I said that. I'll text him right now. No, we, seriously, we love our friends across town. I'm just... All right, back to offending people. Um... Let me first look at the implications of Paul saying that the Holy Spirit produces joy in every follower of Jesus. I believe that this verse is properly applied by saying the second most prevalent quality of a follower of Jesus should be joy. So Paul says second most quality in a follower of Jesus should be joy. Second only to love. Here's something Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That means he was whipped by the Jews. Um, that's not anti-Semitic. Paul was a Jew. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. And if you throw in, and in danger from loving on you, you got yourself a country song. I want you to know, so stupid. <laughs> I want you to know that Paul's life was not conducive to joy. The circumstances in Paul's life were very, very difficult. Yet he says that if God is working in your life, joy should be at the top of the traits. Other people should notice how incredibly joyful you are. 
You cannot blame your life circumstances for your lack of joy, period. Now, this is important, and it means a lot to me. I know, uh, I know what it's like to walk through dark valleys in life. I do. Been there. And I know that some of you are going through some very difficult times right now. So what I'm not saying is you should have constant, always-on joy. Because there are times... So I'll talk a little more about seasons of grief and chronic depression and things like that in a little bit. I I don't want you to take this in as saying, if I don't have a smile on my face, that I'm out of line. That's not the point of any of this. But what I am saying is, if your circumstances are always a problem for joy in your life, you might need to take a step back and realize that Paul had some pretty bad circumstances. And yet he says, at the top of the list, the Holy Spirit is in your life producing joy. In the book of Acts, if you read the chapters that are in the teens, 14, 15, 16, and so on, you'll see what a true culture war looks like. You'll see a culture that venomously hates Christianity and openly persecutes people. You will see a culture that does not follow traditional American values. Not even close. There is no Christian influence whatsoever, yet Paul tells us there should be abundant joy pouring out if we're in a growing friendship with Jesus. So you cannot look at politics or the culture war out there and blame that on a lack of joy in your own life. Paul had been there, he had seen that, and he still says your life should consist of an abundance of joy. Quick skim through the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians and you see Paul call out all sorts of problems in the church. There was ugliness at work in the church in the first century, and that hasn't let up. Christians were acting in ways that were, there was a huge gap between the teachings and example of Jesus and the way Christians were acting. There was racism, there was socioeconomic injustice going on through the church in the first century. And yes, Paul calls it out, but he also says, you should have joy. So, to my right-leaning Christian friends, you cannot look at what's going on in America, look at what's going on in politics, look at what's going on in the culture wars, and use that as an excuse to be miserable. If that is stealing your joy, and it has for a lot of Christians... You need to look to the Apostle Paul who says they better see joy. And my left-leaning followers of Jesus. I know many left-leaning followers of Jesus who are very frustrated at the behavior of right-leaning evangelical Christians. And they're so frustrated that they're leaving the church and they're even leaving the faith. 
and it has made them miserable. That kind of stuff was going on in the first century too. Christians will always let you down because Christians are human. And yes, you can speak out, but you cannot let it make you miserable because that kind of a thing has always been a part of life with Jesus. And Paul says, even in those circumstances, joy should be a leading characteristic. And to my senior citizen friends, now I'll be honest, sometimes I identify with left-leaning Christians and sometimes I feel like I'm a right-leaning Christian and I can empathize with both. I don't know what it's like to be a senior citizen. That train is fast approaching. But I don't know what it's like to have been through the seasons of life that you have been through. But we need you to fight for joy. We need you to be the most joyful people in the room. We need to look at you and see that life doesn't have to wear you down and disappointments don't have to crush your spirit. And your grown children need you to be a joyful presence at the family dinner table and at the family gathering. I talk to so many people my age who are distraught because over the last few years, politics especially, the condition of the nation, it has ruined their relationship with their grown parents because the grown parents are so frustrated and so miserable that everything gets angry and everything becomes an angry discussion. And what they desperately need is to just see the joy and love from the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the family. So if you're a little more advanced in years, it might mean that you've been a follower of Jesus for the longest, which means that the Holy Spirit has been at work in you for a long, long time. And one of the leading qualities that needs to be seen coming from you is joy. Let me just say that there is nothing more inspiring to me than an older person who has been through political unrest. They've been through cycles of political unrest. They've been mistreated by a church or two. They've lost a spouse to cancer, battled anxiety for years, and yet they choose joy. They are tapped into the joy that only the Spirit of God can give, and they lead from it. And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about this underlying presence of God and in the scriptures, joy is something that happens when you're near to the presence of God. And we can tap into it. Now, this is the section of my talk that I like to call don't hear what I'm not saying. Because no doubt this is the kind of material that leads to a lot of, yeah, but what about? First, I know that there are things like trauma, things like PTSD, chemical stuff that creates chronic depression. And these are serious setbacks. 
These are setbacks that change things. And they should be taken very seriously. But when it comes to certain things like joy or like conflict resolution or spending times with certain type of people, there are times where I have to up here talk to the general population, understanding that there's going to be a group of people that, that shouldn't apply. Let me give you an example. If I, if I talk about conflict resolution and I say you need to go find people you're uh, at odds with and make amends, there's always going to be one or two people in my crowd that have gone through you know, sexual abuse or things like that. And what I'm not saying is you go find that abuser and make things right. Or when I talk about spending time with people who are far from God, there's going to be people in my crowd that shouldn't apply that by going out and hanging out in bars. And in the same way, when I talk about joy and, and letting joy come be a part of your expression, there's going to be a, a segment of people who've been through trauma and PTSD and have some chemical imbalance. And, and that just is something that some things are outside of your control. Now, you should take that serious, and I hope you pursue mental health. And I hope, I mean, we will help you find experts that can get you real help to, to overcome that because I still believe that God wants you to find joy again. But don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you're chronically depressed and you're just missing out on what God's doing in your life. And like, I don't want you leaving here feeling more guilt and shame in a sermon about joy. <clears throat> Secondly, yes, there are seasons of lament. There are times of grief and lament over personal crises, over personal and community sin. The Bible is clear that there are times and seasons when joy is not appropriate. But those seasons come to an end, and God replaces sorrow with joy. That is an enduring... I mean, you, you, you look at... You look at the prophets of, of the Old Testament, you see lament, you see righteous anger... You read Lamentations or Jeremiah, you're not going to find a high joy message. But those seasons come to an end, and God replaces sorrow for joy. So yes, there are times where, where I would never, I, I'm a big authenticity guy, and I'm not telling you, you better just, just smile your way through it. Fake it till you make it. What I'm saying, get the help you need, go through the lament, go through the pain, go through the grief, but do so with the understanding, like, like if it's to where you're just crushed and it ain't going away because you're just ruminating over political unrest and you're just going to news sources that, that enhance your anger and, and you're, you're, when it's not chemical and it's not seasonal and, and you're just ruminating and marinating in it, you need to think about God wanting to push you past that because those seasons come to an end. I know there are some people um, that are averse to joy. But I really want you to think about the I, I, that's not that's not fair. Obviously, I'm riffing. Um, the inner drive to change and correct people, um, even with the best of motivations, 
can make you miserable, can make you angry, can make you want to lash out. But it's my belief that ultimately the unshakable joy of following Jesus, the unshakable joy in the highs and lows of life is one of the most compelling traits that draws people toward truth. Because you, you see things, let's take culture wars, for example. You see the, 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 the things that concern you in culture. Um, the scriptures say that, that you'll reap what you sow and that that comes from the hand of God. <clears throat> and ideas and fads and things come and they go. And those things never seem to work out. Those other things that people pursue, whatever it may be, that we can see as wrong, it's not going to produce fulfillment. People are going to reap what they sow. Let's trust God with that. But if you demonstrate unshakable love and joy, I believe that that will be the thing that people come back around to. That will be the most compelling thing that will point people there's something they have that I don't. Now, I'm going to come on up, band. We'll close with the last song. Let me close with this. Love and joy will always be desired traits. We get to living out those qualities, and it will have the power to change the world around us. When you can show people that life circumstances will not take your joy for more than a small season, and the fear and uncertainty of political unrest will not embitter you or scare you, your joy will remain. That's going to be the thing that changes the world. And more importantly, it's just a really good place to live from. Like, we have a God who says, I want my people to be joyful. He wants us to feel good. And that's my experience, that, that much like a plant, like it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that's because when the plant starts or the, or the tree starts in motion, it's just going to come up and it's going to come out unless it's suppressed. So deep down in all of us, there is a place of joy. We just have to fight the war from keeping the external things, from suppressing that so we can be joyful people.